hungry, Mother. I'm hungry. Now, Rolly, you've just had your dinner. But I am just the same. I'm so hungry I could eat a, a whole elephant. Oh, the jungle VIP I've reached the top and had to stop And that's what's bothering me I wanna be a he man said, Welcome to Frickin' Mouse Madness right Only he didn't use Frickin' Hello, you're listening to Mouse Madness A podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney I'm Chris Bowersox And I'm Kyle Skinner And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness Each episode, we'll focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at MouseMadnessPod, or send us an email at MouseMadnessPodcast at gmail.com. Kyle, we are back. Back talking babies. I'm I'm ready to roll. I got a full diaper and a full bottle. You already know I'm ready to roll because for the first time in this podcast history, I'm pretty sure the Dalmatians have made it out of the first round, baby. We're talking about them on bracket number two. I, I think Cruella. I think Cruella might have okay. made it out, but that was a long time. That was almost two years ago. Yeah, that was a long time ago. So it's about time that they got their due justice. And to help us see just how far the Dalmatians will get along is our friend Amanda back to co-host yet again. Amanda, how are you doing? Welcome back. Doing great. Let's do this. Talk about babies. Have you recovered from your Moana sadness yet? I know that was a a big bracket buster at the end of last episode. No, I'll just love Moana forever. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I don't blame you. I'm uh, I'm Moana stan over here too. I love Moana, but... uh, Baby Herc just stole my heart somehow, so we'll we'll see how far Baby Herc can actually get through. But yeah, I I feel your pain. You how you felt about Moana is how I feel about Hundred One Dalmatians every time we record on this podcast. So you can you can see why I'm so excited to get into this one. So it's been a minute since we've hopped into the old email address into the old inbox, and so I think it's about time we should. Uh, you can email us at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com with any show suggestions, with any qualms, any questions, any, any, literally anything. Just hit us up. We love to hear from everyone that listens. Uh, uh, and you can even request to be a guest host. So send us your emails, mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. This one comes from our friend Tess. Tess says, hey guys, oh look, more opinions from me. After listening to part one of Biggest Disney Turnt Boy, I wanted to share my love for Shorty. I have recently started watching the Tangled series and I adore it. So I highly recommend watching it for more Shorty content. All of the characters from the Tangled film are main, recurring, or guest star characters in the TV show. Shorty is always hanging out, drunk AF, and causing trouble. (laughs) There's an episode where he passes out in a candy shop with a goat and they go unnoticed when the shop closes. The goat trashes the place, and instead of telling anyone, Shorty climbed the rafters to finish his nap and ignore the goat. (laughs) Typical turnt boy Shorty. I'm going to include one of my favorite clips of Shorty from the show. For context, I recommend watching the actual theme song for the show so you understand the timeline. The one-hour TV special Before Ever After occurs right after Rapunzel moves into the castle with Eugene, and the TV show occurs after that TV special. The TV show theme is basically a musical synopsis of the TV special with Mandy Moore's angelic singing and Alan Menken's incredible music. 
So she included a couple of links here down below. Uh, but before she leaves us with that, she says, if you need any more convincing to watch the show, here's four bullet points for us. First and foremost, Jeremy Jordan, Jack Kelly in Broadway's Newsies, and James Monroe, Englehart, Jeannie in the Broadway Atlantan are in it and they sing. Point number two, the animation style and the artistry of the show is absolutely stunning and unique. Number three, there are tons of original songs that are pretty great. In parentheses again, Alan Menken. And the fourth point, Danielle Brooks, Tasty from Orange is the New Black, guest stars and has her own song. I had no idea prior to this that she was a singer and she has done Broadway. I, I didn't know that either. Anyways, it's a high quality show that gets dang emotional at times and y'all should watch it. Here are the clips of the actual theme song and then Shorty's rendition. Thanks again for the continued great content. So Tess, thank you so much for writing in. We always love hearing from you. And we'd love to hear from everybody else. So if you want to be like Tess and you have some comments you want to leave with us, you have any questions, you want to guest host the show, go ahead and email us, mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. All right. So before we start talking about Disney babies and we crown our little baby king or queen, uh, I wanted to talk about a virtual event that I was able to attend last week. So throughout the 2020-2021 coronavirus, COVID pandemic, um, a lot of organizations have been able to put on these type of virtual uh, Q&As, virtual happy hour events via Zoom. And Kyle and I have attended a, a handful of them through the Walt Disney Family Museum. We got to hear from people like Paige O'Hara. And it's really cool to hear some some insight on a lot of the Disney things that we are so familiar with sometimes things that we've known for 20 years and, and you get a, a little bit of a different take on it from someone who is directly involved with the, that, with the creative process on that project. So I was uh, on Disney Reddit and uh, it's a place I recommend y'all be, by the way, if you're ever sick of the energy on Disney Twitter or Disney Facebook, go ahead and check out Disney Reddit. Uh, someone on Disney Reddit was promoting a virtual happy hour event with Alan Menken. It was through a group called Salestina, who I guess is some type of classical music, small group uh, that does live performances in New York. And uh, they managed to get Alan Menken to do a little virtual happy hour with them. So I registered, hopped on, and I will tell you, it was a great time. A lot of these like Q&A casual events um, can seem a little bit stiff, a little bit awkward. Sometimes it, fe it doesn't feel scripted. I don't know. It just feels a little bit uh, too formal for me. Maybe the person who's being honored, being interviewed, uh, I don't know, it's a little uncomfortable or, you know, they're, they're so trained in PR speak and interview talk that uh, it comes off just, just kind of boring at times. But Alan Menken was a delight. This dude was genuinely having a great time being there. And I mean, I'm sure these are questions he gets asked all the time, has been asked many times over the years. And every single time someone asked something, it was like it was like he was being asked for the first time and he was laughing with everyone and he was making fun of himself and he was just a, a delightful human being. Uh, if I was not a fan of Alan Menken before, I, I certainly am now. Um, so I'm just going to go through uh, some some cool things that he brought up during the duration of the event. 
It was scheduled to be a one-hour event, and Alan Menken, the good guy that he is, stuck around for 90 minutes because he he cared about us so much and the Salestina Q&A group. So a um, couple little things that I thought was hilarious. Um, one of the women who is in the Salestina group, her father and Alan Menken grew up together. So uh, the woman brought her dad onto the call and like the two dudes were like bantering back and forth and like reminiscing on like their high school prom. It was hilarious. Uh, there was also a uh, violinist that Alan Menken had worked with uh, numerous times throughout his career. He's a very accomplished studio music- musician. Um, his name was Bruce and uh, older gentleman. And, uh, you know, he's on Zoom. Can be technologically difficult for anyone to understand. And uh, this guy, Bruce, was was on mute. And Alan Menken is just grilling him about how he couldn't work his computer. It was hilarious. Um, so some some little fun facts, some some cool information that uh, we were able to learn on the call. Um, Mencken spilled the beans that he's working on music for the Gaston Disney Plus prequel. That's how he spent his day. Uh, it was a couple Wednesdays ago, so uh, it's in the works. People get stoked. He he talked a lot about uh, Little Mermaid, something that. Uh, Super interesting. I did not know. Lin-Manuel Miranda named his son Sebastian because of the Little Mermaid. Speaking of Little Mermaid, Alan Menken, one of his very first projects that kind of like shot him into uh, prominence was uh, Little Shop Horrors. And Alan Menken said that part of your world from the Little Mermaid is a spiritual successor to the song Somewhere That's Green from Little Shop of Horrors. So if you're familiar with that, with that musical, there's kind of a similar sound to the song. And they're also kind of uh, songs that are singing about longing to be somewhere else, that type of thing. Mencken said that uh, the song I See the Light from Tangled, which uh, was one of our best Disney love song. Actually, was it the? Was it the winner of the best Disney? I think it might have been a winner of the best Disney love song. Um, he said that song was surprisingly difficult to write. Um, you know, that happens a lot. We saw that uh, in the Frozen 2 behind the scenes multi-part documentary where they could not nail down show yourself. And so these songs sometimes that like we know and, and we think are perfect, like we're not perfect all along. So when asked about the creative process, uh, one one person who was attending asked you know, when you're writing songs, Alan Menken, what do you write first? Do you write the words first or do you or whoever you're working with write the lyrics first? And Menken said that he writes the music first and then puts words to it later, which makes sense because, um, you know, the, the thing that you tend to remember most is like the, the melody of the song type of stuff. Menken uh, swiveled his chair over to his keyboard and did a couple of songs for us, which was totally awesome to hear him do it live. Not the best audio, obviously, because you're doing it through Zoom, but uh, it was really cool to, to just see him uh, go, to, go to town on his own personal instrument there. Um, he played a little bit of I See the Light, forgot the words halfway through. That was funny. He did a song that he wrote for Howard Ashman called Sheridan Square. Sheridan Square is a little tiny park in Manhattan that is very important to the LGBTQ movement. Um, and I guess it's a place that meant a lot to Howard Ashman, uh, when he was alive. So Alan Menken wrote that song about Howard. 
And I, I don't know that, I'm sure people have heard it before, but it was definitely one I had never heard before. It was a really cool original piece. Um, someone at some point brought up the TV show Gallivant, which I had honestly never heard of before, but I guess it's a, it's kind of like a, a Shrek, but it's live action people making fun of like uh, fairy tale tropes. I had two seasons on ABC, but Alan Menken wrote two songs for every single episode. So there's like 30 Alan Menken songs on the soundtrack for the show Gallivant. And uh, Menken was like, man, I was so proud of that show Gallivant. I wrote so much music for it and it was good. Okay. So he said he was potentially working on getting Gallivant brought to Broadway at some point, uh, which would be totally awesome. And I'm very interested in checking out that show. Someone had a really good question about streaming and kind of like the current climate of like content creation and and creating things for streaming as opposed to film and like how that affects Alan Menken's process. And his response was, I make less money. Uh, I don't make as much as I used to because there's more projects and there's more people, but uh, it creates more opportunities for artists. So he said that uh, he thought that was a good thing in the end. Howard Ashman came up a lot on this call. Obviously, a lot of people just praising Howard Ashman's work over the years. Alan Menken kind of like dropped a, kind of a sad truth on on all of us. And he said that um, most of Howard Ashman's work on Aladdin got thrown away after he passed away and did not end up making it to the screen. So that's kind of unfortunate. Um, but I guess that's Hollywood. The the last thing I have, and this is probably my favorite part of the call, it was a great question. Someone asked, what work are you the most proud of, Alan Menken? And like, you know, that's it's it's crazy to think that, you know, he would be able to pick one thing because obviously he uh, is so accomplished and has created so many great things musically over the years. He said that he felt that his pinnacle was Hunchback. Uh, he really liked um, the complexity of the score and just like the overall production value of that whole thing. He thought that that was probably his best work. Um, but he did say that there is a very special place in his heart for The Little Mermaid because that was kind of the first one. Um, that was that was <sighs> Alan Menken at his most pure. Um, and it was the one that really put him on the map. And he also got to work with Howard Ashman on that project. So um, he said Hunchback and The Little Mermaid. But the project that he said brings him the most satisfaction is Newsies. Because Newsies came out as a movie first. And there was all Alan Menken music on there. And that movie absolutely tanked. And Alan Menken won a Razzie Award for a song on New- the Newsies movie as like worst song of the year. (laughs) And um, then 10 years later, 15 years later, whatever, Newsies hits Broadway. And that is the show that secured Alan Menken his EGOT. So that was like, he just rose from the ashes. Like it's a Razzie, boom, now it's an EGOT. It was like the Alan Menken mic drop. So um, he he really, uh, he really, is proud of his his newsies work and uh yeah and that's it uh 
when all said and done, Alan Menken, I loved him before and I love him even more. Great guys, great energy, super fun person to hear talk. Um, and if you ever get a chance to do any type of Menken Q&A session virtually or in person, highly recommend it because he is a national treasure and should be preserved at all costs. And that's my piece on Alan Menken Q&A. All right. Well, speaking of full bottles for these babies, we need to talk about our full bottles of spoonfuls of sugar. Kyle, what are you sipping on today? Yeah, I've got something interesting here. This is one of those weeks in which I just kind of go to the fridge and see what's in there. But this is a West Coast Pilsner, which I didn't realize that they made like West Coast Pilsners, uh, but they're hopping on that IPA by geography trend, I guess. But this one is called uh, Due West, and it's from Thirsty Bear Brewery in San Francisco, which claims to be an organic brewery, which is very San Francisco. So I've not had this. I haven't tried it yet. Yeah, it's fine. It tastes like a Pilsner. I don't know what makes it West Coast necessarily. I guess it does kind of taste like a like a, a, a golden Pilsner if there was such a thing. So it's good. I probably wouldn't. This isn't my go-to. This might not even be something that you would like, Chris, in your beer, beer explorations, no. but it's going to do it for this uh, part two of this baby bracket. What you got? So uh, still cold in New York as we make our way towards April, which is very disappointing. Got me thinking about home. Got me thinking about California. So I went with a California beer from uh, the the sample pack that came from Ryan and Steffi a few weeks ago. Uh, this one is a California honey from Pizza Port Brewing Co., uh, nice. which is based in Carlsbad, California, San Diego County, baby. Let's go. Um, <laughs> it's a blonde ale brewed with honey. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a shot right now. It just tastes like a beer. Uh, I don't really know like what the appeal is. It just tastes like beer. Uh, it's smooth, smooth beer, yeah. but it just tastes like normal beer to me. So, right, uh, right. I mean, I'd recommend it if you're looking for something blonde and light, uh, maybe, but it doesn't taste like honey at all to me. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Also, I keep forgetting to talk about the fit. Um, you know, we, we, we wear things. We are on video. We're recording this for uh, clips to be posted on social media. Last right. week, I was rocking the LA Kings jersey um, mm -hmm. in respect to <laughs> the great Prince Bambi. Um, ah, yeah, there you go. This week, I got the Pixar animation shirt with a little green man who is kind of a baby. <laughs> yeah, uh, so. and they have baby-like tendencies, and, and the Zoom video quality is so terrible that you cannot pick up my beanie that I'm wearing from Love Your Melon, but it is a Bambi beanie. We got a little young <laughs> prince uh, on the tag, nice young and subtle. Um, if anyone is a, is a big beanie wearer, which I am, um, I've been a beanie wearer for, for decades now. Um, they got some great Disney collabs, great Mandalorian collabs, princess, like everything. Um, huh. Super subtle. And like, if you're someone who's looking for like, maybe like a little Disney flair, but like, you don't want to just be, rocking a mix shirt walking down the street <laughs> check out love your melon because they have some really cool stuff uh bambi beanie i picked up there they got a patch one too that uh i think 
I think Kyle would probably really dig. <laughs> um, Amanda, what are you what are you sipping on over there? Got some uh, good old water. H2O. <laughs> H2O, baby. Do babies drink water? No, do not ever, ever give a baby water because babies Whoa. cannot um, like process water or something. You're supposed That's to give wild. a baby only only milk. Yeah, because yeah. I've only seen them drink milk, but at what do point not give a baby can water. they drink water? Uh, I don't know. I think I think once they move on to like solid foods and can and start eating those like mushed um, like uh, fruits and stuff like that, because there's water in fruit. Uh, but I don't know. I am not a baby doctor. I've never had a baby before. So um, I do know not to give a baby water. Don't be like, yo, here's Aquafina, baby. Drink up. <laughs> Hydrate yourself. <laughs> Only milk for babies. Uh, all right. So um, just to review where we are in this best Disney baby bracket, to remind everyone where we got this seating from, our round of 16 came from a very certain Disney demographic. This week, it was Con Baby Stands on Twitter. Huge fans of the little baby con artist slash teammate from Riot and the Last Dragon. I seen people who like changed their Twitter name to Con Baby and like oh, wow. lo- con-, con Baby Lover and like number one Con Baby. Disney fandom's crazy, y'all. Yeah. Crazy place. Um, and I should note that this bracket was an idea brought to us by our good friend Michael. No, yeah. We should have said that at the top. Top of and, episode one. Michael, and thank you. This this it was an idea Michael had a while ago, but we felt that spring's right around the corner, babies is being born. And uh, that's kind of like the stereotypical time that babies come out. So we're like, that's Disney baby. It's good for the springtime. Uh, thank you, Michael, for this idea. And if anyone has an idea for a bracket, please give it to us. We're always looking for good ideas and uh, we often end up using them. So uh, hit us up, email us, mousematterspod at gmail.com. Sorry. Email us at mousematterspodcast at gmail.com, at mousematterspod on Twitter. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Discord, all that is in the uh, description and the show notes of this podcast. So, um, yeah, get in touch with us. You've got a good bracket idea. So, uh, where we are with our round of eight, we have the number one seed Jack-Jack from The Incredibles versus number eight Baby Groot from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. We've got number four seed Grogu, a.k.a. Baby Yoda from The Mandalorian versus number 12, Baby Lady from Lady and the Tramp. On the other side, we've got number two, Dumbo, a.k.a. Jumbo Jr. (laughs) Versus number seven, the Dalmatians from 101 Dalmatians. Mm -hmm. Um, And the final matchup is number three, the Young Prince Bambi versus number 11, Baby Hercules. Uh, Let's pick it up with number one, Jack-Jack versus number eight. Baby Groot, I will give Kyle the floor for this one because he had some things he really wanted to say about Jack-Jack that he didn't get an opportunity to last week. Yeah, so Chris walked us through really how Jack-Jack is a baby and the the sounds that he makes, the way that he was bathed in a sink like babies will be bathed. And, you know, we, we talked about babies sounding like babies. Baby Dory obviously being voiced by a young child or a baby. Uh, Jack-Jack kind of sounds like that too. Like this is a very convincing yeah. baby actor, <laughs> if you will. Um, 
which I'm pretty sure it was a baby. And then I went back to look when Incredibles 2 came out and I was like, what are they going to do? Is this just like generic baby sound? And they just like got another baby. (laughs) So it easily replaced and sounds like a baby. There's a lot of um, baby tendencies that Jack-Jack has. Uh, At one point in the first movie, Helen is on the phone with uh, with, uh, Mr. Incredible. Bob. Come Bob. on, man. Of you course, can't be messing up Bob's. Of course. I know. I should have just guessed that. On the phone with Bob, and uh, she's feeding Jack-Jack and, like, trying to get the food into his mouth. And Jack-Jack, like, is thinking it's playtime, but also food time and doesn't really, like, isn't actually focused on eating, is having more fun at the faces that Helen's making. That's, that's babe. If you've ever worked at a summer camp and you've been in a food mess hall, at the same time as the babies and watch the counselors try to feed these babies. It's the same exact thing that's happening in this scene. Luckily, that person was not me. Jack-Jack, <laughs> uh, uh, he, he spits, he slobbers, he laughs. Chris, you brought that all up last time. But what we didn't talk about and what I hinted at was the fact that like, what makes this baby a, a Disney baby, besides being in a Disney film, is that he is this plot mover. He is this super baby quite literally he has these powers and you had mentioned that these powers might you know shun you away from considering him as a a great disney baby but the way in which he uses and activates his powers is very baby in my mind he doesn't quite know how to harness these powers it's like the ability to walk a lot of babies don't know how to do it and they learn by trying to stand up and falling back over Jack-Jack has this plethora of abilities that he does not know how to control. Uh, and we see that at the very end of the first movie when we, it's revealed that Jack-Jack has powers. Because up until then, which is kind of funny to think about, like we get three minutes of Jack-Jack having powers and then like what, 10 years without an Incredibles movie? <laughs> we get like a, a Jack-Jack short and then like nothing else. But in those moments, you can see that like he's he's going through like these baby emotions of crying and anger and and laughter and just being able to not even being able to, but just experiencing them all in one. And babies do that often, especially when they like fake cry. And then you're like, come on, the baby starts laughing like this was a really relatable moment. And he's switching through his powers based on his mood. The fact that like he turns into a quite literally like a little devil fire baby when he gets mad is the personification of a temper tantrum that babies throw like for certain. And then that that inability to control his abilities and is explored further in the second movie. And and he starts to learn how to use these and, and at least learn how to use a specific ability in the right moment and it's much like walking it's much like running it's much like crawling like he's able to to identify when he needs to turn into like the multiple jack jacks and when he needs to throw a temper tantrum and become fire jack jack or when he needs to play the victim and become big jack jack as if he like needs the entire world to worry about his big problems uh it's just such an interesting way to like give this baby powers like this baby has powers and it arguably more powerful than any of the other family members 
but he's a baby and therefore he's not going to be able to use them, you know, successfully. Uh, I just really, really like that twist on like giving this character powers up against baby group didn't even pass baby group on last time. So this is, this matchup is Jack Jack for me. I have nothing else to say about the, the pet guard dog that is baby Groot. I want to tip my cap to the Incredibles, the movie, which is a movie I often overlook uh, when I look at like the whole Pixar roster of, of movies. There's a lot of good ones, especially in the early days. A lot of times I discount the Incredibles because it, it, it just doesn't feel as kind of like creative where Pixar is um, putting human qualities into things that don't normally have human qualities, whatever. But Incredibles does a really good job creating family drama um, yeah. in the midst of this like crisis, the superhero crisis that's happening. And, and you said that the, the twist is that Jack-Jack has powers and Anytime I can get the opportunity to <laughs> rip on like uh, twist endings, I, I will I will take the opportunity to do that. And this is a perfect example of how you don't have to make it a twist where the audience didn't know Jack Jack had powers until Syndrome has him and about to get on the ship and it's like, whoa, he morphed. That's crazy. Uh, we saw Jack-Jack have powers halfway through the movie when he's getting babysat by Kari the baby. Oh, that's right. That's right. Or at yeah, least yeah. like we heard her we heard talking it. talking to him. So so we know that that he has those powers. But that's even at the end because that's when they're in the car rolling up to the house when Syndrome already has him. So that's still at the sure, very end. Sure, sure. Um, we also kind of like get hinted at um where Edna Mode like makes a, a baby a suit, suit for Jack Jack. So it's kind of like foreshadowed a little bit. Sure. Um I'm gonna do an Alfred Hitchcock quote. And Alfred Hitchcock's kind of a trash person because he did some messed up stuff to his actors back in the day. But it's a very wise quote about suspense. And he says suspense is when Two people are having a conversation over dinner and the audience knows that there's a bomb underneath the table and they have a clock on the wall and it's like 15 minutes till detonation and the audience sits there for 15 minutes in suspense as opposed to like 15 seconds of surprise if the audience didn't know that the bomb was under the table. So it's like, which one, which one would you prefer? That's going to vary from person to person. And I prefer the former where, where there's a little bit of suspense where you know, but the other characters don't know. That's called dramatic irony. Should learn about that in like eighth grade. All right. <laughs> um, incredible hat tip for doing dramatic irony well and not making Jack Jack superpowers a stupid plot device to make us all shocked in the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that they do that because, like you said, Jack Jack is this very uh, unpredictable force within the Parr family. Um, and the fact that he has these like, powers that are shifting and, and they're not really like defined like that's perfect baby energy uh love that also hey we got to talk about the Incredicoaster, the best disney california adventure attraction according to our bracket uh, one of our first few brackets that's a whole ride themed to jack jack and his chaos yeah it is um it really is 
so like clearly like Jack Jack is so important to the fabric of the incredible family. Only only baby on the bracket with a ride? Dumbo. S- ah, Dumbo. Yeah, Dumbo right. do be having a ride. Um yeah. I- I'm holding out hope that we get a Bambi attraction one day, but we can talk about that later. <laughs> I think Baby Groot is amazing. I think Jack Jack is amazing. Um for me, it's it's nothing wrong with Baby Groot. I think Baby Groot's a great character. Um, I might, I don't know, this might come up later, but I might have an issue crowning like a human baby the winner of this bracket because I think Animal Babies is a very Disney-like um, thing. But Plain I'm advancing Jack-Jack Jack here. Plain, I'm advancing Jack-Jack Jack here to the final four. Uh, Amanda, do you agree with the us bouncing Baby Groot here? Ah, uh, yeah. Good decision. <laughs> Jack Jack all the way. Cool. So then let's move on to the next matchup. It's number four Grogu versus number 12 Lady. Kyle kind of mentioned the, the few like super babyish Grogu moments um, that we discussed in depth in the best Baby Yoda moment bracket uh, in January. Uh, baby Grogu, Baby Yoda has a, a fixation with shiny objects. Um Kind of like how Simba is is drawn to Rafiki dangling his little staff. Um, Baby Yoda uh, sees the, the control knob on the Razor Crest, and he's very drawn to it, and he's c- totally fixated by it. Also, there's a moment where like a, a ice spider is dangling from the ceiling, and Baby Yoda is very attracted to it. Baby Yoda ends up eating that spider after it latches onto his face, but. Um, that kind of movement, he's like very attracted to it. Baby Yoda loves some food. Uh, we know that the the best Baby Yoda moment we crowned is the macaroon story where he's sitting in that classroom. There's a whole like scene going on. They're trying to teach the class the geography of the Outer Rim territories, and Baby Grogu is just staring at these macaroons like that's all I want in this moment is this food. Uh, we've also got Baby Yoda traveling around the galaxy in his little like orb his little like star wars type stroller thing yeah we get baby yoda riding in a baby bjorn <laughs> and if i know anything about babies it's they love riding in baby baby bjorns they get a nice little view uh that they're not used to <laughs> some wind in their hair or uh in baby yoda's case his lack of hair listen i know what you're saying about like baby yoda is technically a 50 year old man but um I think every, everyone ages a little bit differently. I mean, that goes for humans too, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. I like Baby Lady um, as kind of like a, a mascot for uh, Disney babies. I think she's very innocent and like very, very uh, pure. And, and that's like an important baby quality a lot of the times. It's, uh, they represent this innocence. They're, they're, they're uncorrupted. They're angelic. Uh, sure. You look at movies like Rosemary's Baby, and they play into that innocence of children as like a, as a way to inspire horror in the audience. And so, you know, seeing Baby Lady come out of that box and the Dalmatians too, to an extent, it's like um, just so uncorrupted and like so perfect and angelic and Cherubian. And uh, Baby Grogu, like, is that kind of? But we're always a little bit skeptical of like Grogu's backgrounds. We think like there could, sure. be, there could be some more here. Um, Baby Grogu has seen some trauma. Perhaps we don't know for sure if he was in the Jedi Temple when Anakin committed Jedi genocide, but um, 
but yeah, I think I think Lady is probably more angelic. For me, it's Grogu. I think I think we just get a, a wider Jeez. range of baby qualities uh, from him. Uh, we get the food thing. Uh, we get the 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 fixated on objects thing. You know, we get him riding in baby type vehicles. Uh, he's he's super cute. He's universally loved. Um, his age is a question, but so far in Mandalorian. He's been introduced as a baby and he has remained a baby since then. A lot of these Disney characters like, yeah, Lady was a baby. But when we think of Lady, we don't think of Lady as a baby. I think Lady as a grown dog. So uh, I'm going Grogu. Yeah, I will throw out the the year thing for basically all of the remaining characters. Because like you said, and like we said at the end of last episode, like, species age different some are babies longer some come out the womb start walking and and eating stuff so like i'm not tripping over grogu being 50 years old does have a lot of baby qualities that food motivation his his problems listening and listening to and following directions you get that when he's fixing the ship with mando which feels not necessarily baby right would you send a baby into your ship with two wires and like attempt to fix it? We're in a different galaxy. I get it, but a little, a little hesitant on that one. Obsessive over these inanimate objects as you brought up. And he's also feels like he's constantly kind of like, if you don't have an eye on him or he's not in his stroller, he could just wander away. And he does that with the, the ice spiders and babies love to wander away. Which segues into a, a perfect story that I have about babies wandering away. Oh boy. My brother and I used to go with my parents to visit our family back east every other year. And I must have been, I don't know, eight, which would have made him six. So he's not necessarily a baby, but human babies can't really function by themselves for until they're 10. <laughs> so... I uh we're at the airport and you know the the thing says it's time to board and and we go to board the plane. And uh we get on the plane and we have a home alone moment where we're like who had Robbie? <laughs> and my parents are like I thought you had him. And uh turned out that Robbie had wandered away because he had seen a toy store and walked over to it and just like sat down and just was like in this toy store. Grogu is very similar to that in that ice spider cave because Grogu's toys are anything that he could possibly eat. And he does just that. Now, we held up the entire flight so we could get this stupid child out of the airport. uh, And I remember my parents feeling very embarrassed by that. And I also remember the entire flight clapping and making (laughs) us feel absolutely awful that this dumb child held up this flight for people getting to wherever they needed to go. I know none of them are listening to this, so it doesn't even matter that I told that story. But granted, Grogu has a lot of these kind of like baby qualities to him. But the thing is, just as you brought up at the top of this, you try having an issue maybe with passing along a, a human baby or crowning a human baby as the best Disney baby. Baby Lady feels like the epitome of what it is to be that pure, innocent Disney baby. And not only that, but the their ability to animate this dog and personify it to not only feel like it is a puppy, 
but also feels like a a baby that we would recognize as humans with the wanting to be with their parents, sleep with their parents, uh, cry right when you put them to bed. Uh, even Jim Jim Deere's reaction to the to lady walking into the room crying was to turn over and ignore it. Like a lot of times, like just let them cry themselves to sleep. Just let them like that's a that's a very baby relationship that they're having with this puppy. Puppies are very similar in the way that they kind of act as their baby selves to human babies in the way that we treat them as far as like, you know, when they go to bed, we need to train them to like, this is where you are going to sleep. We see that sequence here. This just feels a whole lot more Disney baby and just pure baby than Grogu does with Grogu looking like a mom on a Sunday morning with his tea standing watching the kids rough house like nah that's not baby we're we're going with baby lady here which means that Amanda's breaking this tie wah, wah, wah. <laughs> uh, so sorry to one of you I, I think I'm gonna have to go if we're sticking with the classic Disney baby I think I'm gonna go with baby lady which is a big upset it is big upset. Um, sorry, Grogu. <laughs> I wish you would have said, I'm going to go with the classic baby, and I got to go with Grogu. <laughs> Grogu is the classic baby. They're going to be oh, teaching man. Grogu in film schools in about 20 years. They are. He's just not a classic quite yet. All right, let's move on to our next Elite Eight matchup, and that is the number two Dumbo versus the number seven Dalmatians. Uh break my heart with this matchup here because Dumbo has 45 minutes of a movie essentially being a baby. And I guess the Dalmatians do too, but a lot of the focus is on Dumbo in this movie, obviously, and not so much the Dalmatians uh, because we kind of get like a repeat scene with the Dalmatians where they're watching TV in both scenarios uh, when they're at home after they've just been born with hanging out with the family, the 15 of them are watching TV and then when they're kidnapped and joining the other whatever 99 minus 15 is and they're chilling in Cruella's uh, mansion watching TV. So we kind of get like this two thing as opposed to Dumbo, which kind of just rides through the entire story being all these different baby Dumbo experiences. Um, Dalmatians, what I didn't bring up last time, uh, I besides like the food motivation and the the TV and the stimulation point is that they all kind of walk like their babies and like their puppies. There's scenes when they have to climb down stairs when they're running away from Horace and Jasper and they're tumbling and they're slipping and they're being clumsy. And babies are clumsy. They don't quite know how to maneuver around the world. And the Dalmatians do that in this movie. Um, brought up all of the points last time don't really want to go back over them with how puppy like they are being revived at birth if needed to how the Perdita and Ponga Ponga Perdita and Pongo treat the puppies as babies as needing to help them along this journey protect them at all costs and they're just silly and you know ignorant of the world Amanda brought that up with her picks in la the last one, like ignorance as a baby, not really knowing what's going on and just being there for the ride. When the puppies are kidnapped, no one, no one's panicked. They're all, there's a, there's a hunt, 99 of them and two Horace and Jaspers. And they don't think to, to gang up on the two and just like 
make a run for it. There's 99 of them, right? And like, it's the this baby tendency of just like this is this is life. This is where I'm supposed to be. I don't know anything. I'm 10 days old. I this maybe this is just what happens. I get swooped up. I get put in front of another TV. And if you've ever babysat a kid like who's homesick or or needs a distraction, pop them in front of a TV. There you go. You won't hear from them for the rest of the day. So a lot of baby tendencies out of the Dalmatians, which I obviously really, really love. Dumbo is like not only a baby in the sense of like age and and proximity to birth, but just like a big baby of a character. Yeah. Uh, and and that's on purpose. That's for us to feel awful for this character. I don't know if I want to give early Disney animators credit or and, and story writers credit for like making the circus seem as cruel as it is because I don't believe that at that point in in the history of America that they were ready to just like fire away at the circus. But they do a good job of making it seem like, you know, we're forcing this elephant to like do these things and the elephant's obviously really scared and doesn't want to do it. Like when Dumbo has to put on the clown makeup and and jump from (laughs) the roof of a fake burning building, you know, that's really traumatic for an animal. And I think they just thought it was funny and that this is what happens at circuses and, you know, hunky dory. But to us watching it now, it's like, wow, we feel absolutely awful for this poor baby elephant. And that just adds to the babiness. It's just this cute, helpless baby. Obviously not super. The ignorance isn't necessarily there because the the elephant just has to kind of do what it's told and you can tell that Dumbo doesn't really want to do any of this and is also self-conscious because has he has these huge ears and is being made fun of but like a baby as far as like a human goes or even I guess maybe some of these uh animal characters wouldn't necessarily know if they're being made fun of I don't I don't think but that's a big part of this Dumbo character is we need the Dumbo character to be really insecure in order for us to fall in love with it we get some crying. Babies love to cry. Uh, we get the crying to the point of hiccups, which I feel like is almost more of a toddler thing. You know, like in preschool, the, the kids crying for their mom after being dropped off for the first day of class and cry so much that they eventually are just hiccuping for the rest of the morning. <laughs> That's what we kind of get here. But I mean, the absolute baby moment, the tearjerker, and I'm going to pass this off so that Chris can talk about it because he sang it in the outro and I know he wants to talk about it, is baby mine. The moment in which Dumbo's mom gets taken, put into a separate cage for acting up and cradles Dumbo and rocks Dumbo to sleep. Chris, talk to me about baby mine. Uh, Dumbo as a, a movie not the best definitely not my favorite but if i were to give it credit for one thing and and for a lot of early disney animated movies great at capturing a vibe and they just used to structure movies so differently you know like now it's so structured and like that's why movies tend to be hit or miss for me is because it's like they're all trying to be structured how how good are they following that structure Movies like Dumbo, movies like Bambi, they just like go for it. <laughs> and it's basically just yeah. like 
four or five animation sequences stuck together. And hopefully it works cohesively. Sometimes it doesn't. Jury's out on whether or not Dumbo actually works as a whole for me. But the baby of mine scene absolutely works for me. Um, yeah. The, the movie is introed with this stork, like delivering all of these babies to the circus. Uh, little gorilla gets a baby, little giraffe gets a baby, little zebra gets a baby. Like all, everyone's getting, you get a baby and you get a baby and you get a baby. But Jumbo, Mama Jumbo doesn't get her baby. Um, baby Dumbo is a big boy. So the stork <laughs> taking a little bit too long to get there. So he has to take a break on a cloud. Uh, and big baby boy Dumbo is like drooping through the cloud. <laughs> Jumbo Junior. They don't call him that for nothing. <laughs> Dumbo Junior. So yeah, a uh, baby of mine or this baby mine happens uh, about forty minutes into the movie. Dumbo is only a one-hour movie. It's very short. So baby mine happens towards the end. So it's an interesting point in the movie to have this really slow song, and I think that that. That song's placement in the movie reveals just how important it is to what this movie is trying to say. Yeah. Um, the song is basically a lullaby. Jumbo, Mama Jumbo is singing to Jumbo Jr. Basically just being like, I got you. You're my baby. And, and that's it. Literally all that matters. Like, you're my baby. I'm here for you. Yeah. Uh, unconditionally. So, yeah. um. I'm kind of a boring song. Uh, often, like I, I often, I like the shorter Disney songs. This one's super short, only a couple verses. Um, but uh, I don't know. Doesn't doesn't hit me super hard. I'm I'm not a mother. I'm not a father, though. Maybe it will uh, in the future. The only version that hits me hard is Katy Perry singing it to her <laughs> puppy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! I mean, so this song is the pre-anthem to you'll be in my heart from yeah tarzan it's yeah. the same sort of thing like you're my child i love you i mean you'll be in my heart was it had a bigger impact on the movie it had many different connotations throughout that film but it said the same thing and i mean dumbo comes packing with a song that's just something for this number two seeds arsenal is that there's a theme song about this baby that really talks about being a baby you're precious to me cutest can be baby of mine bars those are baby <laughs> bars right there are you joking are you mom <laughs> jumbo herself was spitting while dumbo was crying okay those are fantastic so i love that 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 song accompanies this character because that's how we feel about this character as well we like Hate that this baby's crying. Never a tear, baby of mine. Even Timothy hates it. Timothy gets Dumbo drunk because he hates how much Dumbo is crying, you know? Like, this song epitomizes what we love about Dumbo. And as much as it breaks my heart to do it, Dumbo is just the better baby than the other Dalmatians, unfortunately. Dalmatians is a better film, always will be. Above all else, it is the greatest that has ever been created. But in this matchup, Dumbo is the better baby than the 99 Dalmatians. Dumbo moves on. You always got to get that in there. Like every <laughs> every time like you got to qualify. Got to. Um, got to let people know. Yeah, I mean 101 Dalmatians 
is what what to you is that movie about like the- thematically it's it's like a um it's like a heist movie mixed with like a buddy adventure movie because it's the there's the two storylines of like cruella getting the puppies and like what that is happening that timeline is happening at the same time that like pongo and perdita go on an adventure with the help of their adult dog friends so it's like a it's like a reverse heist buddy cop movie almost yeah it's kind of like a hero movie and i think we had pongo and perdita on our best heroes bracket um we did the og bracket uh mm-hmm. so yeah I'd, I'd agree with you on that um I mean, Dumbo is just all about being a baby. I mean, like the movie Dumbo is all about being a baby. Um, it's about finding your identity as a child. Right. And, and I appreciate that. So, yeah, it's, it's Dumbo for me. Um, love what the movie has to say about being a baby. Love that Dumbo is very baby-like. Uh, puppies are cute, but it's uh, Dumbo Jr. Amanda, do you agree with sending the puppies home? Definitely. Cool. So let's move on to the next matchup. It's number three, Bambi versus number 11, Baby Hercules. This is another easy one for me. It's, oh, my God. It's Bambi, obviously. <laughs> um, we watch Bambi grow up. Uh, Bambi, Bambi does not end the movie as a baby, but, I mean, neither does Hercules. Uh, I don't know. You You mentioned last week how Hercules grabs those snakes and, like, um, kind of like abuses them yeah and i i get that but like that's like a two or three or four year old thing you know like like i was saying with con baby like babies don't have motor skills like they can't they can't grab two things and like lift them above their heads like that just impossible yeah i mean sure yeah young prince is the young prince i mean i love watching that (laughs) little deer learn how to talk learn how to walk Learn how to ice skate. Learn how to make friends. Uh, learn what. Learn how to fall in love with Pauline. Uh, learn how to eat clover and eat your vegetables. Um, from Thumper. It's a great coming of age story. I think that's important. And much like Dumbo is, uh, like a commentary on 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 babyism. I think Bambi is is also a commentary of sorts on on growing up and facing the world and and how to do so. So I'm going with Bambi. <laughs> no surprise there. No surprise there. Yeah, it's the it's the like you know ignoring the animal age thing. Um, obviously, Bambi's just born in all these events before he becomes like. What was it? One year old? Didn't they like go through a winter and then we see all of the animals back again and they're all like grown? They're like teenagers. Adults. Yeah. yeah like yeah, Bambi yeah. has like little nubs and, right, every- right. and everyone's horny. Liter- yeah. Literally and figuratively, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. And so that, that first part of the movie, it is Bambi like accelerating through childhood, which in the Dear lifespan would I guess be like it's babyness, <laughs> you know. Um, I do like. The, I mean, there's nothing to dislike about Bambi. I mean, he's absolutely precious. The way that he learns to say "bird," the way that they like 
name almost each other and and give the skunk the name flower or at least flower gives flower that that name uh everything's really cute about that baby friend group you know uh hercules just feels like the baby shines through with the disneyness of a non-baby character now i get that like this baby resembles a human and is much like Jack-Jack in that Hercules has powers. But like through through those powers, like you, you could just say that this baby could just do whatever it wants. But they decided not to do that. They said that this baby is going to be like a baby, just like super strong though. And the fact that he's grabbing things that he shouldn't be grabbing, putting them in his mouth, that I'm going to play to my audience here. Amanda, you with me? Ignorance, right? He gets kidnapped, thinks he's going for a joyride. Am I right? Like completely ignorant to the dangers of the situation. Goes ahead and just consumes whatever is given to him. That bottle of of poison that takes his godliness away from him. Sucking it down like a baby would because why not? The baby trusts anybody that's giving him food. Happens as every baby would. That's baby 101 and Kirk is the professor of it. So I don't know. I love the preciousness of of Bambi, but I just love the way that Disney's able to allow the babiness to shine through a character that is supposed to be as like powerful and different as Herc. Because I'm moving <laughs> Herc along, which means Amanda... <laughs> <laughs> you have the Bambi v Hercules matchup. <laughs> Who are you gonna pass on? Sorry, I'm laughing at Chris tightening his face and shaking <laughs> behind the mic. <laughs> oh man. Um. So good arguments. I I think I'm gonna have to go with the character where we see more of a full journey. We see them learn how to walk. We oh, see them learn how Amanda. to talk. Amanda, we had this ignorance connection here, huh? <laughs> but we just get more with Bambi and get to laugh at the make Bambi make silly mistakes and call the skunk a flower. And yeah, so I'm, I'm going you. with Bambi. Oh, Thank you. I was I was ter- my laugh my life flashed before my eyes. <laughs> uh, we got Bambi v Dumbo. Uh, uh next matchup in the that's yikes big yikes all right let's move on to the final four the first matchup is number one jack jack versus number 12 lady you know just as amanda said we get a ton more out of jack jack than we do baby lady uh baby lady exists for three to four five minutes of lady and the tramp at the very beginning and then is baby no more and actually grows up really quickly it's not even a bambi situation in which we get to see her actually grow up it's a a transition scene in which she's just old and like proper and an adult dog for the rest of the movie with jack jack we get to see this like baby arc that doesn't do it too quickly i'm really glad that incredibles 2 honestly wasn't like five years in the future and then we have to deal with like kindergarten jack jack i'm glad that they let us explore jack jack as like a baby and how you navigate a baby with powers instead of like 
a pre-movie montage of like, here's all the things we did to teach Jack Jack his powers and how to like conceal his abilities and all that. It's way more fun to go through, to stumble through with Jack Jack, just as Jack Jack would as a baby. I think that like, once again, a baby's ignorance of danger is on display here with Jack Jack and in Incredibles 2 with his battle versus this raccoon. Now, obviously, I don't know that like an actual human baby would like wander outside and then want to pet or battle a raccoon. However, that's what makes this very like Disney is this baby that has this relationship with the or essentially forms a relationship with this raccoon through this battle. And now they're just like Tom and Jerry mutual enemies to the very end. And the way in which there's a moment in which Jack Jack realizes that he can turn on his like laser vision and he he gets knocked down, stands back up and he like clicks on his lasers and is like, yep, I'm ready to rock and roll and chases the raccoon around is the same way in which like a baby is like, oh, I can walk now. Like, I'm gonna try running and let's just see what happens. Like just fully <laughs> leaning into their new discovered ability. I love that about Jack-Jack. And then, I mean, there's nothing baby about this. This is Jack-Jack, like, completely controlling it. But the part that made me, like, yell in the movie theater is when Jack-Jack gets tossed into the pool chairs. And then he stands up and the camera's just, like, he's center frame and the camera's just, like, on him from a distance. And he just ignites. Yeah. And the raccoon's like, oh, oh, no. Oh no. And he's like tossing chairs and like walking through just completely on fire. It's so good. Oh God. It's so funny. Not even a baby moment. It's just a really awesome Incredibles moment. And I love the Incredibles movies. I think they're really fun and really well done. Um, so unfortunately for Lady here, and I, I know that Lady feels a little bit more classic Disney, but the the matching of the character with who the character is like physically like this baby what if a baby had powers this is how they would navigate those powers like a baby would uh it's just so spot on for me jack jack's just a freaking powerhouse at that number one seed i'm moving him on to the finals i think something we haven't even brought up yet uh with jack jack is his need for cookies yeah, we uh, little babies, little kids love cookies, and Jack Jack goes into devil mode when he doesn't get his cookies. <laughs> and Edna mode is uh, sure to make that a feature of his uh, super suit. He goes uh, devil mode, and then they they do like a little little uh, I don't know what like bubbles. They put like little bubbles in his suit, and then it like cools him off. Or something I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's like a flame retardant. Yes, yes, like, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Um, Jack Jack do be loving cookies. Uh, yeah, Jack Jack's the full package. I mean, he's got just about everything. He represents chaos. He's he serves the story. He's a strong character. He acts like a baby. Talks like a baby. Um, is funny like a Disney baby should be. Is cute. Poops his pants. Um, just about everything. So I'm advancing him to the finals. Uh. Amanda, do you agree with that there? Uh, did you have baby lady for some reason? <laughs> no, Jack Jack. <laughs> sure, sure. All right. Number one seed will face the two or three. It's Dumbo versus Bambi. And, you know, like, 
for how bad I want to see Bambi go to the finals of a bracket and take a bracket because I'm a Bambi fan. Dumbo is is like to me the the classic Disney baby. Uh, like I said, the movie is introduced with these storks and like babies falling from the sky. And that feels very like traditional baby mythology, you know, and, and the movie has this like lightness and this freshness, uh, during most of like the, the Dumbo centric scenes, um, it feels very youthful. And like I was saying last round, I think the theme of the movie is, uh, everyone's born a little bit different and uh, you know, we should all accept each other the way that we are born and uh, celebrate each other's differences instead of like trying to conform to others expectations of you. So Dumbo, the movie is about being a baby (laughs) also. and, And like, and because of that, I think even though, Dumbo is an animal baby. Dumbo is like a vessel for human babies as well, where Bambi is like very much an animal baby and uh, behaves pretty much strictly like an animal baby. Uh, Human babies do not walk right away. Uh, Human babies do not learn how to talk right away. They do not eat solid foods right away. But, Dumbo really doesn't do any of those things. Dumbo plays a, a fun game of peekaboo with Jumbo. <laughs> After Dumbo gets a bath, uh, he's doing that thing where he's running around her legs and kind of like hiding behind her. And, and like, that's something real babies do. Like they love that impromptu game of peekaboo, the impromptu game of tag. Uh, Dumbo's an animal, but, but really, really human-like as well. Love that Dumbo is frequently the number one character chosen for any Disney baby merchandise or anything like that. Uh, I think I have an appreciation for Dumbo as a movie, as a character after doing this bracket here. Still like Bambi more, but I think the better Disney baby is Dumbo. So I'm actually going with Dumbo to the finals. Yeah, and I think another point to add to Dumbo is his relationship to his mother and especially like as a newborn uh which essentially like he is throughout this entire movie that that connection that needing of of the mother and reliance to his mother is basically the whole motivation of this movie it feels like like they're they're separated he feels like he this is just the world he lives in when Mother gets thrown into elephant jail to assumably be like transferred to another circus or whatever. Uh, he needs to see her, right? He needs he needs that mother connection, and and she rocks him to sleep. Like, what's more, baby, than being rocked to sleep by by your mom? It's it's they do a good job of being like, this is a baby, and you will realize that this is a baby because of the things that we're going to show you through the actions of Dumbo and his mother. And, and that's like that thing that you just said about Dumbo uh, exemplifies like a human baby, (laughs) but in, in an elephant. And obviously this isn't what elephants are necessarily doing. They're not picking up their baby elephants and rocking them in their trunks. Uh, Oh, maybe they do. I've never seen it, but uh, it's very much to get us to be like, this is a cute, cute baby. 
And I still just think about uh, Baby Might. That song is just all, it's all Dumbo. It's all Dumbo. Just sad baby who doesn't belong to the world. But, you know, uh, but even the mother says, like, if they if they knew sweet little you, they'd end up loving you too. All those same people who scold you, what they'd give just for the right to hold you. You know, like, it's that same message of you, what you just said, like, accept everybody. Everybody's worthy of love. And only a mother would deliver that to their baby. It's going to be Dumbo for me as well. Amanda, we've reached the finals here and it's a 1v2 matchup, which, you know, you could probably expect <laughs> in this bracket. Uh, I don't, I'm not too surprised, but what are your thoughts with where we ended up? I thought Bambi could have made it, but I think oh. I think he, the the motherly love. I think that's in Bambi as well, but it's shown a little bit differently, like with her yeah. protecting her at the, like the watering hole. Yeah, you're right. Um, but no, I'm convinced that Dumbo was the right choice. And I would like to make a- another obscure Disney comparison between Bambi looking at himself in the reflection of the water with. Troy Bolton seeing himself in the water in High School Musical 2. So are they the same character? Maybe. Totally. Are they both two of my favorite Disney characters? Absolutely. (laughs) All right. It's the finals, everyone. It's literally the final two. It's number one, Jack-Jack versus number two, Dumbo. And honestly, Chris, I started out this episode. I'm going to let you start this this final two. Well, this is a really interesting matchup. We have a, a newer... Pixar CGI uh, computer animated character and we've got an old school hand drawn Disney classic character and and with that come two very different representations of baby Jack Jack is chaos Jack Jack is a terror Jack Jack has a temper Jack Jack is loud and smelly and difficult and kind of a nuisance <laughs> uh, for lack of a better word uh, and is very much a challenge for the Parr family. Dumbo is sweet. Dumbo is gentle. Dumbo is kind. Dumbo is a little cherub, a little blessing to the world. <laughs> and and I think it's interesting because those are really the two ways. If you asked a person on the street, "What is baby?" you, yeah, you would get you're gonna get one those. of those two. You'd get yep. the people be like babies suck i will never have children because (laughs) babies are loud and blah 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 blah. or babies are beautiful like they're such a blessing and like here we go so we got jack jack or we got dumbo like which one are you going with um i I mean i think you could make the case for either one of these and jack jack is one of my favorite disney characters for sure like top five easily top 10 probably top five um Hmm. I think I am going to go with Dumbo, though, because uh, this is a weird like justification for this. But like when I think of a human baby, I I would like picture them inside of like a nursery surrounded by like little Dumbos. Hmm. as opposed to like wearing a little jack-jack jammies, which that's a really good idea, and I might use that when I have a child one day. <laughs> might buy some little jack-jack jammies, but um, I don't know. I'm kind of, I kind of fall in, into the camp of like, if you were going to ask me like what a baby, I probably would say like, oh, you know, they're, they're gentle and like um, 
they they inspire hope and like goodness and that is is dumbo to me so i think it's subjective but yeah i'm gonna go with dumbo this might be the first finals that feels like a close just toss-up to me like i feel like either one of these is worthy of the crown so i'm gonna have to like talk this out and then just spit out no this is a good this is a great matchup and they both have attractions so there you go (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i can't even use that um jack jack what we haven't talked about one that i made note of and i forgot to bring up is that you had mentioned that you didn't think that a baby had the coordination to like lift up and dump cereal on their head and i've i'm in full belief that a baby can would and could do that because you think about all these videos of like babies eating spaghetti and all of a sudden like the the bowl is off their shoulder and spaghetti's all over their heads they love to mess with food and the food vessels and and dump it all over themselves and make a mess so i think that was like a very accurate representation of exactly how a baby would react to a bowl of cheerios we talked I talked about like the Dalmatians needing pacification when it came to just living, so putting them in front of a TV to just occupy them both by their parents and by their kidnappers. And Incredibles 2, uh we get a great like pacifier moment when Frozone comes over because Bob is like, "Yo, this kid has powers." And he comes over to check him out and the way to occupy literally pacify Jack Jack is to create like a ball of ice for him to like suck on until it melts away. And that's just such a representation of like any sort of child. Like we literally give them an item called a pacifier to shut them up and occupy them so that we can like go about our adult days and and they can be quiet and chill. You brought up like walk on the street and you say like what's a baby to you they'd give you the dumbo or they give you the jack jack i feel like the dumbo is the idealistic baby like this is dumbo's the baby that we would really want a really sweet soft uh obsessed with their like mother you know like very just loving in general and then the realistic baby is jack jack just unpredictable spontaneous uh uh temperamental you know like jack jack is the the reflection of what babies often actually are uh for the most part and most of the time so it's like what do i appreciate more in like a best disney baby do i appreciate a reflection of life in a character that is not everyday human like jack jack like i'm not going to come across a baby with superpowers although if i came across Baby Chris Bowersox, maybe, because apparently he'd be kissing ghosts out here and stuff. Or would I uh, choose the, like, idealistic, the world is great and wonderful, you know, forget about where you are right now, look at this cute baby elephant, Dumbo baby, (laughs) you know, little Jumbo J. Uh, And so it's super difficult. And like I said, I don't know if I really care if I have a... uh, which one wins here um but to 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 make it fun <laughs> i'm gonna choose little jack jack and i'm gonna make our guest host amanda crown the best disney baby because why not let's do it amanda who yeah. do you 
Who do you have as the best Disney baby? So one thing I wanted to talk about, um, which I don't think we've brought up from The Incredibles, is from Jack-Jack Attack. At the very end, after he's like shown all of his superpowers and Carly's figured it out, it's just at the end when she's like so tired. She's, mm-hmm. been, she's been babysitting him for like two days, I don't know, a long time. And she's got like the fire extinguisher and the mirror just like ready to go alternating like between his like powers as he's like amusing himself. Uh huh. And like none of us are parents. So I feel like we haven't seen like all the different sides of babies. But as babysitters, definitely just like. Which one is it? Yeah. <laughs> being drained and just like, okay, I, I'm just going to deal with this. <laughs> totally. Um, but at the same time, I feel like. As someone who gets to like see a baby for like an hour when they're well behaved, you're like, oh, babies are so cute and angelic and adorable. Um, but I think I think I'm gonna have to go with Jack Jack. <laughs> <laughs> wow, big surprise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm not mad. I'm not mad at all. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I mean. It's it's kind of like what what is Disney? Is Disney um, a representation of reality, or is it like uh, escapism from reality? And a lot of times it's right. both. A lot of times yeah. it's both. So, as we do at the end of every every episode, we are going to clap for our champion. And today's champion is the best Disney baby, Jack Jack from The Incredibles. So let's clap it out. Chris, you brought up, uh, you, I mean, you summed it up already really well that what is Disney to people? Is it that escapism or is that the reflection of real life? And that's what's difficult about this matchup. But I feel like Jack-Jack might pair that up pretty well. So I think we might have, We. I mean, the final two, either one, like I said, could have been crowned. But I'm happy where, where we ended up with. I'm just happy that now I know when I have a baby, what to ask for for my baby shower is I can ask for a little <laughs> incredible pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> um, no one steal that from me. I will have the only baby Jack Jack. Uh, Amanda, thank you so much for for coming with us on this Disney baby adventure. Thanks for having me. This is so fun. All right, everybody. Well, hey, do you have an idea for a bracket? Do you want to be a co-host on one of these episodes? Please email us mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social media at mousemadnesspod on Twitter or join our, or join our Facebook group, our Discord server, follow us on Instagram. Links to all those channels are in the description of this podcast episode. Till next time, folks. Just one word. <laughs>